All right, let's dive into the word today. If you have your Bible, if you have your Bible app, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 6. As you're turning there, you know, I don't know if you were ever uh, in a school production growing up, if you were ever a part of one of those. Uh, Our schools always did musicals. And from about 7th grade to 12th grade, uh, I was every year, I was a part of the school musical. It was one of my favorite things to do. I loved it. And uh, I remember one year, our school did the musical Camelot. And Camelot, it's a cool musical. It's got King Arthur. It's got the Knights of the Round Table, castles, all of that. It's a super, super cool musical. And uh, I tried out for the musical. And you won't believe this, but uh, they cast me as the villain. Yes, the villain. I mean, okay. This was before Jesus, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it, Uh, but I played the part of Mordred. This is the illegitimate son of King Arthur who wants to overthrow his dad, defeat him, and take the throne. Yes, that was the part that I played. I can't believe it. Um, But one of the craziest moments in this production is when they brought out the costumes. And uh, and they said, all right, and they said, all right, guys, um, all the guys for this production are going to be wearing tights. And I thought, tights? you got to be kidding me. We're all going to wear tights? Yeah, tights and tunics. And, and so i got to tell you, that was an unforgettable experience. That's an experience I never want to repeat. But yes, I wore tights. I'm sorry. It happened. But here's kind of what we understand. And here's where I'm going with this. is We kind of understand that when people are acting... It's not real. So you can be glad your pastor doesn't wake up in the day and say, I'd love to wear tights. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That's not your pastor. Uh, And and we even have thing, you know, something called reality television, you know, and uh, it seems like even reality television is more television than reality, right? Um, Ladies, we got The Bachelor and, uh, and there just isn't any reality in 20 women fighting over one guy. I mean, it's not real. It's a show. What's crazy is that when Jesus looked at the religious people of his day, he called them out for not being real. And he used a strong word. He called them hypocrites. That word hypocrite is the Greek word for actor. And he saw people who were using religion to put on a show, to be seen by people, and at the end of the day, to be applauded for their religiosity. And Jesus calls them out. He says, hypocrites, actors, pretenders, this isn't real. And he actually uses three illustrations to really paint a picture of the hypocrisy that he saw. And it's a warning to us. So let's review a little bit. Let's look at these three verses. As Jesus looks at their giving, their praying, and their fasting. Matthew 6, 2. When you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Matthew 6, 5, he goes to prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, the actors. There's that word again. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And then Matthew 6, 16, the third illustration, the illustration of fasting. Jesus says, When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, as the actors do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. 
I mean, you guys see the drama, right? I mean, these, these guys have tons of drama. When they give, it's like they got to, you know, blast it with the trumpet. Do, 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 I gave. When they pray, they're, they're standing in front of people like they're the star of the show. And then when they fast, they disfigure their faces so that everybody can see how cool and how holy they are. Jesus just calls it like it is. He says, it's a show. It's theater. In fact, in our theme verse for this little mini section of the Sermon on the Mount, in our Kingdom Living series, this theme verse says, be careful. Jesus is warning us now, this theme verse, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. That verb, to be seen by, is the Greek verb, theathronai. It's where we get the verb, the word, <laughs> theatrical. Be careful not to be theatrical as you practice your faith, to be seen by others. What's Jesus' point? His point is that a real relationship with God is not so much about what we present for people to see, but a real relationship with God is really cultivated in the secret place. Could be you gave. You gave some money away. No one knew. You get up in the morning. You read your Bible and pray. You did that just to spend time with God, just to be with him. Maybe you fasted. No one knew it was just between you and God. That's a real relationship with God. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. You're not doing it for people. You're not doing it for your mom. You're not doing it for your dad. You're not doing it for your husband. You're not doing it for your church or your pastor. You're doing it for you and you're doing it for God because you have something real with God. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. And that's what the secret place is all about. It's about not using our religion to put on a false show for other people to see. It's about having something real and deep and true with God. And that is in the heart. And that's where Jesus has taken us. First in our giving, then in our praying, which we talked about last week, and finally today and at a whole new level in this whole area of fasting. Let's see what Jesus has to say here today about fasting. Matthew 6, if you're there, take a look at verse 16. Matthew 6, 16. Jesus says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, as the actors and pretenders do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So today we're going to talk about fasting. What Jesus has to teach us about fasting. I don't know about you. I love food. I love to eat. I love to talk about food. We don't talk about fasting very much. And by the way, truth be told, there are many of us here today, we don't know how to fast. We don't know what fasting is. We don't even know why fasting would even be necessary. For most of my Christian life, that was me. And so today, we have the opportunity to sit and to learn from Jesus, really about this whole area of fasting, what fasting might be all about. 
So let's pray and then we'll dive in and we'll see what Jesus has to say. Father in heaven, thank you that we can gather together today in the name of Jesus, even though we're online virtually. We thank you for technology. We thank you for your word and the power of your word to transform our lives. We ask that you would do that in these moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's see what Jesus has to say about fasting. The first thing I see as we look at this scripture is that we are going to fast. Fasting is going to be a part of our spiritual journey. It's going to be one of the rhythms of our Christian life. So no, this is not Vin Diesel, need for speed, we're going to go fast, that would be awesome. Uh Uh-uh, this is Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, we're going to fast. What's fasting? Fasting is this whole idea of going without food for a period of time. The Hebrew word for fast is not, you know, Zoom, which would be cool to go fast. No, no, no. It's Zoom, which means to cover your mouth. The word literally means to cover your mouth. So biblically, this whole idea of fasting is to abstain from food for a period of time. And I don't know how that makes you feel. Maybe hungry, if you're hungry right now. Maybe hangry. Maybe that's it. You know, when I think about my Christian life and my Christian journey, most of my Christian life, I had no idea what fasting was all about. And uh, growing up, we were in and out of church. I can't ever remember a time when a pastor talked about fasting. I don't think I knew a single person who fasted. In fact, I didn't even know about fasting until I was 17 or 18 years old and our youth leader showed up and said, hey, everybody, we're going to do a 30-hour famine. Anyone here? 30-hour famine? Woo, woo. Yeah, that's kind of a rite of passage. Man, I got to go through that as a 17 or 18-year-old. Youth leader showed up and said, hey, we're going to go without food for 30 hours so that we can raise money and awareness for people around the world who don't have food. It's kind of an awesome thing. So it was me and my buddy, you know, teenage boys, we're getting ready to fast 30 hours. I, I probably hadn't even gone a, me- a meal, you know, without eating. And I'm a teenage boy, I got my best friend. And what do we do to prepare for 30 hours no food? We go out to the biggest all-you-can-eat buffet we can find, and we just begin eating and eating six or seven plates full of food, each of us. We eat more food in two hours than we could consume in two days, which, by the way, is a huge rookie mistake. Like You don't want to stretch out your stomach right before you stop eating. But that's what we did. And, uh, and truly, we didn't really understand what fasting was all about. And it's very interesting over, you know, as I look back over the years of my journey, I even got to go to, to Gordon Conwell. I got to study theology. And over those years, I can't remember ever talking about fasting. At no point did we ever fast, and we were preparing for ministry. How crazy is that? So I'm very interested in what Jesus has to say about fasting. The very first thing Jesus wants us to know is that we are going to fast. We see that in Matthew 6, 16. Jesus says, when you fast. He says it again, a verse later, when you fast. It's not if you fast, is it? No, no, no. It's when you fast. Jesus assumes we're going to fast. And this isn't the first time we've seen this. Jesus says, when you give. Church family, we give. 
Jesus says, when you pray, church family, we pray. Jesus says, when you fast, and we can assume that we're going to fast. This is going to be a part of our rhythm as followers of Jesus Christ. We actually see this a few chapters later in the book of Matthew. If you want to flip there, you can. It's Matthew chapter 9, verse 15. This is what Jesus says. He's talking about fasting again. And he says, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away. He's talking about the time will come when Jesus is going to die on the cross, rise from the dead, and he's going to go away. And Jesus says, then they will fast. Then they will fast. Not they might fast, not, oh, fasting might be a cool option if that's kind of something you like to do. No, no, no. They will fast. And it's actually amazing because fasting is a huge theme in the scriptures. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's actually amazing to see how many times fasting shows up in the Bible. People are fasting again and again and again. Jesus fasts. His disciples fast. And we can assume that as followers of Jesus, we're going to fast too. It's going to be a part of our Christian life. See, one of the tools for growing in our relationship with God is fasting. Now, I understand. and I want to... Put out a little caveat. There's some of you here today who, because of health concerns, or um, you have low blood sugar, or, or whatever it is, you might not be able to fast. And I understand that. I get that. That makes sense. What we're talking about today are um, healthy people who have a capacity to fast. And so we understand that. But we, and we also understand, and what I want to show you, this is important. As you look at the Bible, there are different types of fasts. Not every fast is the same. So if you have a pencil and you're taking some notes, you might want to write down three types of fasts. The first fast we see in scripture is the absolute fast. It's no food and it's no water. This is an absolute, nothing is going to enter my mouth kind of fast. And that's rare. Then there's another type of fast. There's the normal fast. That's what most of us are going to do. In the normal fast, you go without eating food, but liquids are allowed. And so maybe you, you aren't eating food, but you're drinking water or you're drinking juice, you know, to get some of that, you know, blood sugar built up. Or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's coffee, whatever it is. A normal fast is, is no food, but you want to get those fluids inside of you. We see a biblical example of that on the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament. Leviticus 16.29, on the 10th day of the seventh month of each year, you must go without eating to show sorrow for your sins. The Day of Atonement is, of course, the day where um, the sins of all the people were forgiven um, through the sacrifice of a lamb. And uh, God says, on that day, go without food, go without eating. And, and certainly the you know, water would have been okay, drinking. So that's kind of a normal fast. There's a third kind of fast, and that's the partial fast. This one's really interesting. A partial fast is where you're actually going to drink and, and you're going to eat, but you're limiting your intake of certain foods. It's, it might be called a Daniel fast. Maybe you've heard that term. Um, Daniel's a great example of this. Uh, we see it in Daniel 10.3, where for 21 days, and when you fast this way, you can go a little bit longer. And so for 21 days... Daniel says, I ate no del delicacies, no meat, no wine entered my mouth. 
So you're going to eat during the day with a partial fast, but you're not going to eat certain things. Maybe you're saying, you know what, for the next week, I'm cutting out sweets and desserts. I'm fasting. Maybe you say, uh, I'm not going to eat meat. I'm only going to eat vegetables. Um, we have, uh, you know, John Wesley, he famously fasted bread and water. So he would have been eating bread and drinking water as part of that fast. That's a partial fast. Does that make sense? But, but here's why I share these examples. I think this is important. Not everybody fasts in the same way. There are going to be different fasts for different people for different seasons. We haven't even talked about a technology fast or a social media fast, which is good. Some people call it a soul fast. You're eliminating some distraction from your life. But it's really important. If you have a hunger for God, you want to seek God, man, ask God. God, how are you inviting me to fast today? What would it look like right now in this season of my life for me to fast? Is it a normal fast? Is it a partial fast? Maybe it's a technology fast. What we want to do is we really want to be led by the Holy Spirit. You hear God's voice. And so allow God to lead you in this area of fasting. Pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. But here's the point of all this. We will fast. This is a part of the rhythm of our Christian life. But what we see is that Jesus is way, is way less concerned about our food, and he's way more concerned about our heart. And what's crazy to me, what, what is mind-boggling, is that you can actually fast for, and get no reward out of it. That's what Jesus shows us next. It blows my mind that we could fast and get no reward. But that's what was happening for the religious people in Jesus' day. Take a look at the next scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Jesus says, When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. The hypocrites, the actors, they are fasting. They're going without food, but Jesus says there's no reward. He says, truly, they've received their reward in full. They're fasting to be seen by people. That is their reward. And if we're not careful, guys, we can do that. We can fast to be seen by people. You know, I see people bragging about their social media fasts. How many times do you see a Christian post on social media that they're going to fast social media? It kind of sounds like this. Hey, everyone, I'm going to be taking a break from social media so that I can focus on my relationship with God. If you were fasting food, you wouldn't go into a restaurant and announce to everyone in the restaurant, hey, everybody, just want to let you know I'm not going to be eating today because I'm focusing on my relationship with God. Why do we see the need to announce our social media fast to the entire world? Something to think about. Another thing I've seen as people fast is, is what can happen is we can actually begin to focus more on what the diet is doing for our body than what the fast is doing for our spirit. And uh, if we're not careful, guys, the next time we fast or as we practice fasting, you know, if we're not careful, the only thing that's going to happen is we're just not going to eat. 
And we're going to miss out on connecting with God and the rewards that Jesus has for us because we've made our fast more about the diet and how we're going to look after it's done than actually drawing near to our Father in heaven. So those might be some of the ways that we might fast to be seen. But over the years, I've found a a scripture that's really helped me out as I practice fasting. And it's Zechariah 7.5. I love this scripture. Um, God asks this question to Zechariah. God says, when you fasted, was it really for me? I love that question. It's a question I ask myself as I fast. I I just want to hear God say, hey, when when you fasted, was it really for me? Because if we're fasting for any other reason than God, we're fasting for the wrong reason. Um, And we're missing out on what God has for us. Guys, it's like an empty calorie. And there is no reward. So we're going to fast. It's part of our Christian faith. But what's mind-blowing is that we can fast for the wrong reason and actually miss the reward. So how how do we fast? What's Jesus trying to teach us? What Jesus wants us to know is that There are huge rewards for us when we fast in secret. Secret fasting has the biggest reward. Let me show you a scripture here as we continue on. Here's how to fast for the reward. Matthew 6, 17 and 18. Jesus says, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. I love it. He's saying, look alive. Take a shower, get dressed, you know, wash your face so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who's unseen. And your father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying our fasting shouldn't be obvious to everyone. When you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. So no one needs to know. We don't need to talk about fasting. We don't need to complain about fasting. We don't need people wondering, hey, what's wrong with you today? No, no, no. Our fasting shouldn't be obvious to others. Jesus is inviting to fast in secret. Here's what I love. Fasting shouldn't be obvious to others, but it should be obvious to God. Did you catch that? Jesus says, when you fast, fast so that it will not be obvious to others but only to your Father. Our fasting should be obvious to God. It's the big purpose of fasting. We're drawing near to God. Instead of fixing our attention on food, we want to fix our attention on God. Fasting is a powerful, powerful way to seek God. And so as we look at the Bible, fasting has a best friend. And and fasting's best friend's name is prayer. Prayer and fasting, they're always hanging out. They're always going together. Even in here in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he's just talked about prayer. When you pray, he's making these clear statements. And what's next right after prayer? Fasting. When you fast. Prayer and fasting, they're always going together in Scripture. In fact, one of the early church fathers was commenting on this exact same passage, John Chrysostom, and he said this about prayer and fasting. He said, prayer and fasting, These are like two wings that carry a person to the heights of God. 
Prayer and fasting are like two wings that carry a person to the very heights of God. And so it's hunger and prayer, prayer and fasting, fasting, emptying us, prayer, filling us. It's passionately seeking after God with all of our heart, with all of our soul and with everything that we are. So you can imagine the power of taking 24 hours in your life to fast and pray. It's 24 hours of hungering after God. It's 24 hours of constant prayer. Such fervency in prayer yields answers and breakthroughs at a higher level than our ordinary prayer or not praying at all. Jesus mentions the rewards. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. There is no magic of non-eatery, but Jesus says there are rewards. Your father will reward you. What are the rewards? Guys, the rewards are, oh, first of all, more of God. Right? It is a deeper relationship with God. We fast because we hunger for God. It's Psalm 84 too. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So I'm fasting and I'm praying. Because I need more God in my life. Guys, it's more victories. Whenever God's people were in a desperate situation, when they found themselves in a crisis... God's people have always fasted and prayed. Several years ago, I was a part of a church uh, that did a 21-day Daniel fast. This was a church that believed in God's power to heal. And I can't even begin to describe, as we began to see God showing up in our prayer and in our fasting, and we as a church began to experience breakthroughs, so much so, that we would pray for people and people would be healed. Eyes, backs, knees. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And, and I just remember writing down over and over again, seeing God heal. And I remember at the end of that fast, we had seen over 20 physical healings in the course of that 21-day fast and immediately afterwards. I don't understand all that, but I do understand that if you're here today and you need healing and you need a breakthrough and you're crying out for God to do something in your life, maybe it's a relationship that's broken and you can't fix it. Maybe it's a child whose heart is hard um, towards the gospel and towards God. I don't know what breakthrough you need in your life, but prayer and fasting is a powerful tool that God has given us to seek him and to seek breakthrough in our life. And it's one of the rewards. It's more God. It's more victories. Number three, it's more self-control. More self-control. Fasting is one of the ways that we say no to our flesh. Uh, Researchers researchers today say that self-control is like a muscle. When you exercise that muscle, it grows stronger. And fasting is very much a way to strengthen our muscle of self-control. And I think that's why God has given us fasting. It's one of the ways we put to death our our flesh, our fleshly desires. So, uh, you know, you see Jesus and 
and he fasts for 40 days. I mean, no wonder he could win the battle against Satan when temptation came his way. Fasting is a way to train us how to say no to temptation and how to say yes to self-control. So Jesus says, when you fast, fast in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you more God, more victories, more self-control. But we don't, get to, we don't define those rewards, and that's really important. But there is a powerful, powerful reward when we begin to seek our God passionately and fervently in prayer and fasting. And that's what Jesus is talking about today. So I just want to end with this as we wrap up. <clears throat> Here's my challenge today. Take a day and fast and pray. One of the oldest traditions in the history of the church, and and maybe it even goes all the way back to the beginning, is a tradition of fasting on Good Friday. Good Friday is the day we remember Jesus' death on a cross and his payment for our sins. I think it goes back to that Old Testament idea of the day of atonement. This is the day where God has done a work on the cross to forgive our sins. And throughout the history of the church, that's been a day for us as believers to fast and pray. So I want to ask you this year on Good Friday, April 10th, if you would consider taking that day to fast and pray. I want you to ask God, God, what does that look like for me to fast and pray on Good Friday? Maybe it's Fasting one meal. I'm going to fast breakfast. I'm going to use that time to pray. Maybe it's fasting the whole day. Maybe it's taking something out of your diet. I'm not going to have dessert on Good Friday. I'm not eating meat. I'm only eating vegetables. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. But consider taking a day on Good Friday to fast and pray. Because fasting is a powerful way of pursuing God. It's one of the tools God has given us to grow in our relationship with him. And that's what fasting is all about. It's drawing near to God. It's hungering for God. And what Jesus says is, the God who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. Let me pray for you today. Father in heaven, I just thank you for who you are. You are a God that we hunger and thirst after. We cry out today for more of your presence in our life. God, we desperately need you. Thank you for going all the way to the cross to forgive our sins. Thank you that we can have a real relationship with God through trusting in you. And I just pray if there's someone here today watching and they've never trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, that right now they would receive the free gift of salvation. Thank you, God, for drawing close to us as we draw near to you and for the promise of Jeremiah that we will find you when we seek you with all of our heart. We love you, God. We love our church family. We miss each other. We pray you'll bring us back together soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Let's stay connected and um, have a great Sunday. And we'll see you next week.